Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Horn Call Podcast, the official podcast of the International Horn Society. My name is James Bolden. I'm the publications editor for the IHS and your host. As we draw closer to the end of the year, please remember that the IHS is a 501c3 organization, which means we can accept tax-deductible donations from anyone who pays United States taxes. We're primarily a volunteer-run organization, so just remember, membership and donations are truly what help us to deliver all the programs we offer, like scholarships, composition support, and awards. We're truly grateful for your support, which helps connect horn players across the world. Visit hornsociety.org slash donate to make your gift. I hope you'll join me in supporting the IHS with a charitable donation. My guest today is musician first class Erica Luke from the United States Naval Academy Band in Annapolis, Maryland. We had a really great conversation talking about Erica's work with the Naval Academy Band, as well as her... Um, experience playing the Wagner tuba, music for horn and electronics, and her work as the editor for the IHS's Military Matters column in the Horn Call. So without further delay, here's my conversation with Erica Luke. Erica, thank you so much for speaking with me today. And uh, I would love to get just kind of uh, for the listeners who may not be familiar with who you are. You're, of course, the military manager, military matters editor for Horn for the Horn Call. Um, give us kind of the brief background on um, the position you hold right now and kind of your path to 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 doing that and you know your journey on the horn, so to speak. Sure. Um, so I guess you know, kind of going chronologically. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, and then I did my undergrad degree at USC, mm-hmm. and then I, I continued my, my little journey uh, east across the U.S. Um, I did my master's degree at Wichita State University, and I did it was a cool assistantship program. I, I think they still have um, where you're a graduate assistant at the university, and it comes with a position in the Wichita Symphony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, and, I've seen that. I think it still is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a one-of-a-kind program, and yeah, I was thinking about this morning, and actually, um, <laughs> my dad was the one who brought it to my attention, because he saw it advertised in the horn call. Oh, how about that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he saw it, and there was like, hey, you're looking at graduate programs, look at this, you can have an actual orchestral job. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, went there, had a really great time. Um, I mean, it's just, it was amazing. I didn't think I could get a better education in how to be an orchestral horn player than sitting next to my professor on a subscription series, pops concerts and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we'd, we'd work on stuff there and then we'd go back to um, lessons and talk about, you know, what went on uh, in the orchestra. And I mean, just, I wish everybody could have that experience. Mm-hmm. It's kind of eye opening, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I first had that kind of experience when I was at Aspen, and mm-hmm. just sitting in the section with these really accomplished horn players uh, was just amazing. So from there, um, you know, the fall of 2012, uh, I remember that particular fall. It felt like all of the orchestras were just imploding. Mm. That I, I wrote a paper about it for a class. That you know, there there were all these orchestras that were you know held up as really good examples of how to do orchestra right. 
Yeah. And, you know, they were doing all these creative programming. They were trying to reach new audiences. It seemed like they were doing everything right. But I think four out of the five that were in this document I'd read, they were all in financial trouble. Oh, was this from like an Ixom thing or like, were they having labor disputes? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was labor disputes. No, unfortunately the the same kind of stuff that always happens. Right. Um, so, you know, when, when this was all happening, I was starting my master's degree. Um, a friend of mine was like, Hey, have you heard about the president's own Marine band? Mm -hmm. And as I'm looking at the posting for the job, I'm, you know, looking at like the salary and benefits and the description of the kinds of things they perform. And um, just with this whole thing going on, I was like, oh, well, clearly I need to go be in a military band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I mean, you know, you, you get great pay and benefits and there's the best job security you could probably ask for as a musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's federally funded. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that just, um, you know, it's it's really heartbreaking every time there's a, a, a labor issue that comes up with the orchestras. Um, you know, definitely there's ups and downs with, you know, the bands and people trying to cut them. Um, but especially like during the pandemic, I mean, you just, you can't beat the job security of, you know. Right. We, right. you know, we were still getting paid our full salary even when we weren't necessarily playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I, I noticed there was a lot of good online content coming out from uh, Armed Forces uh, musical groups. And so, you know, that I think they stepped up as quickly as anybody else. I mean, of course, lots of orchestras and lots of places were doing, um, you know, videos and, and educational kinds of things. But I think, you know, the, the U.S. military was certainly uh, – they were not slackers in that respect. They were really on top of things, putting out, you know, warm up videos and, and guides to things. So it was, it was great to have that stuff out there. Oh, so going back to your question of just sort of the journey of how I got to where I am. Um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to get a job at one of the premier bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of those are located in the Washington DC area. Right. And so, uh, when I finished up in Wichita, I, um, got in my car and drove all the way east uh, to uh, D.C., where I, I started my DMA at the University of Maryland. Okay. That's a good school. It's a great school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I loved it there. It's, it's, you know, it's such a great university and great music program. Um, but it was really cool to, um, you know, be there. And then just every time a band audition came up, great. I can still stay in my same apartment, just drive under an hour to the audition. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I, it was just, it was so much more relaxing to do that than when I'd been traveling to auditions where, you know, you have to like give up work for that period of time, mm-hmm. pay for the hotel, arrange your airport transportation. And I mean, most of the time when, when I was taking auditions, it was okay. You got your five minutes in the first round you don't get feedback and bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then I was really lucky that in um, my third year, of my DMA, um, I didn't even realize that the U S Naval Academy band was having an audition. Um, but I happened to be uh, on a gig and a horn player was like, you know, we were talking about what I was doing and she said, well, you're auditioning for the Naval Academy band, right? Like they're not having an audition. She's like, no, 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 they are. <laughs> and I pulled up my phone to try to prove to her, no, the, the band wasn't having an audition, but sure enough, in two weeks, 
there was going to be an audition. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna email my resume right now. Right, right. And uh I was really thankful that it was um it was a very standard list. So I mean I was already working up those excerpts and then I was lucky enough to be selected. That's awesome. Now where is the Naval Academy? So we're in Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. Got it. So uh, do you know the Maryland geography at all? Uh, more or less. My, my sister went to school in Baltimore, so kind of know that oh, nice. region a little bit. Yeah. 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 So basically it makes a triangle of DC, Baltimore, and then Annapolis is, um, towards, uh, the Eastern shore. Mm-hmm. DMV as they call it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not more fun than, than the other kind of DMV. Than the other DMV. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great region. Like there's just there's so much music going on. Um, you know, there's there's so many opportunities. Uh, you know, Annapolis um is just a gorgeous tourist town. Mhm. Yes. And yeah. Have you been out there? Yeah, we've been sort of that whole I grew up in North Carolina, so we're pretty familiar oh, okay. with the East Coast. My my sister and her husband went to um they went to Peabody for for grad school. Oh, so nice. I kinda yeah. we would kind of know that that area pretty well. And I've had several friends go to to Maryland for school. So um mm-hmm. I haven't been back that way in a while, but yeah, I'm 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 familiar with it. It's it's awesome and it's only, you know, it's just like huge and it, you're not that far from New York or Philadelphia or yeah. any of those areas where it's just like tons going on so that's that's awesome and um so in terms of the getting prepared for the audition did you do anything differently yeah. for the band auditions versus like a more traditional orchestral audition i really didn't mm-hmm. you know it's kind of it's interesting that i don't know before i started taking band auditions i think i somehow figured they'd be a little bit different i mean but the truth is that you know the the playing skills that are going to suit um, orchestral playing well are also going to serve band music well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe at its loudest in concert bands, you might play louder than you would in an orchestra potentially. But as far as the auditions go, you know, some bands will ask some band excerpts. But a friend of mine was recently commenting that, like the president's own on their latest list, it's really it's mostly orchestral excerpts. Yeah, like, yeah. Are there any? Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, are there any like okay. what? What were like the top, maybe like top three band excerpts somebody should at least be familiar with if they have any interest in in U.S. service bands? Oh, sure. Um, so I think American Overtures, um, yeah. <laughs> a fairly popular one. I mean, it's 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 useful. Like it it shows you know like how's your intonation, your articulations, um you know, playing in kind of a band style. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so that, that's a popular one. Um, there's, I know that there's been a lot of John Williams music that's been popping up on band auditions recently. Oh, okay. I um, think I, I, saw I, think the, I saw the fourth horn part to the, you know, the Hogwarts forever quartet that's in the, in the oh, first yeah. movie. I saw the fourth horn part to that one show up and it is really, it's like an orchestral excerpt for horn for sure. Yeah. For like a low horn player. It's, it's very agile and it's like mm-hmm. lots of weird, like intonation, funky things in there that could show a lot, as you say, on an audition. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know one common one along those lines is uh, the princess Leia solo from um, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
that yeah, there's that um, you know there's that, that really great um transcription the Hunsberger one of uh, it's like mm-hmm. a suite from the original Star Wars. It's like five movements, and I think like the second movement yeah. is Leia's theme. It's all in the right keys and everything. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and it's just when you know, we've got a beautiful melody that goes, you know, over the the best range of the horn. Like, I mean, it for an audition, it tells you what you need to do. And then this is something that you know groups are actually performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, tell me a little bit about like okay so you made the transition from so you were out on the west coast southern california midwest and then now you're you know you're in east coast <laughs> i imagine there yeah, were some exactly not just like transitioning from different teachers and i'm sure they're all different i don't know um nick smith that well but we've corresponded some and he's he's just amazing he's just oh incredible career yeah. and su- such great students have come out of that studio oh um, my gosh what was that like first making the transition from, you know, West Coast, Midwest, now East Coast? What was that transition like? And then what was it like going from, you know, you were basically, I'm assuming, you know, a full-time student or a part-time student, then doing freelancing mm-hmm. and stuff. And then you get this full-time job, full-time position in the Naval Academy band. What was that like making those various transitions? Oh, that's such a good question. Um it was kind of interesting playing wise um, kind of going from LA to the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my understanding is that nowadays on the studio scene, um, people are not playing the crush horns so much anymore. I have heard. Yeah. yeah I've heard That's, that. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, like the, the beautiful sound of, you know, like movie soundtracks continues to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was in LA, people were still playing on crushby horns. Right. Right. If not like straight up eight D's, they're playing the Patterson versions of those. Exactly. Yeah. So I was playing on a, uh, Hans Hoyer crushby horn mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, I love that horn. And now, um, my dad's an amateur horn player. So he, that's now his horn. Oh, cool. That's nice. Yeah. That's cool that it runs in the family. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, on a side note, he he actually took up the horn um, because he didn't want me going to Kendall Betts camp by myself uh, as a sixteen-year-old. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> and then, as it turns out, he loved it so much that he um, he's active in all these community bands. And uh, one year, he even went to KBHC without me. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I was uh, two thousand four was the summer I went there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know what that place is like. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a great place. I love it. Um, but yeah, getting back to your, your question. So it was interesting that, you know, I was you know, playing on my crush me horn. And then um, when I went to the Midwest, you know, and I was taking orchestral auditions, the trend seemed to be kind of moving towards Geyer style instruments. Mm hmm. And um, so I don't know when that exactly that transition happened in L.A. I think maybe it was around the same time. Okay. But, um, you know, it was uh, 2013 that I went to IHS and uh, Nick Smith was had told me, you know, he's like, okay, you know, you, you know, you really should go try a sorely. I, I think it's the closest thing that you can try to um, a Rauk. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. You know, yeah. first, like, I mean, you know, Rauks are great instruments and you can't really get them easily they're like a friggin heirloom now it's like you know carrying yeah. on a honda civic in your case i mean it's, 
they're good. I've seen them go for like $20,000. So it's, yeah, it's no joke. I mean, um, yeah. And you know, I just, I wonder like as time goes on, you know, these instruments, they're, they're durable, but they do have a lifespan. So, you yeah. know, will they kind of go the way of like the vintage eight D's? Yeah. Where yeah. people, they're, they're putting all their patches on it. Uh, and then like, you know, just eventually the poor horn just, <laughs> it's not going to last well, forever. Yeah. And since you bring that up, it's, it's sort of a philosophical question. It's like, you do hear about those instruments where it's like, Oh, rebuilt this and knew this. And it's like, well, if, okay. So if the point of it is to have that instrument that has a provenance of, you know, so-and-so played this and this group or whatever. And in this place, if it's been all rebuilt, like new valve, new lead pipe patches and all of this stuff, it's like how much of the original is that even really, but you know, I'm not super, yeah. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not as into equipment as some folks. I'm kind of in the middle. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I like talking about equipment. I'm, I'm really uh, happy to, but it's, it's interesting people that sort of get like really, really dialed into like a certain horn, a certain, you know, whatever. But uh, no, that that's interesting. It's interesting yeah. to hear that it's changing. I think that's probably a reflection of like, you know, what the folks and maybe the LA Philharmonic are playing and then, you know, just yeah. taste changing a lot. Um, you know, opinions vary on whether that's like a good thing or a bad thing, but that is interesting to note, especially for people who might be interested in going out there and, and doing some work. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like studying with, with Nick Smith and uh, at Wichita state? Oh, he was great. I mean, he was like a second dad to me when I was out there. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I went out there for the audition. Um, mm -hmm. I sent him my tape and then, I, um, I flew out there to audition in person for him and the music director and he just rolled out the red carpet. Oh, great. That's like, good to hear. I, I think he might've paid for the hotel out of his own pocket. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then he and his wife, they, you know, they took me out to all the meals and, you know, would, would give the grad students money to take me to the meals they didn't go to. And then I had a free day and they just let me their car. Oh, well, wow. drive around Wichita. <laughs> <laughs> well, they must have also really wanted you to choose that school, though. I mean, that it's I, I that's exceptional for them to, to be that generous and kind. Yeah. And that's that's, you know, something in and of itself. But they also must have heard something on your audition recording that was like, OK, this is the person we really we really want this person to come here. So that's that's kudos to you, too. Oh, well, thanks. I, I I think it's really more a statement of who the Smiths are. <laughs> I mean, he's, just, yeah, he seems like a very kind person. Oh, he's just, he's so kind and just would, would do anything for his students. And, you know, his wife, Cheryl, um, she also plays the horn. Um, and you know, they would, they would host us for like a kind of pre Thanksgiving day, Thanksgiving dinner as a studio. Mm -hmm. Um, we'd have studio classes in, uh, what they called the garage Mahal. <laughs> <laughs> it was an air-conditioned um garage that you know was had kind of nice acoustics well, that's and cool. then cheryl would, yeah you know cheryl she'd always like make us lunch when we came over for stuff they they hosted um a croquet tournament for the horn studio my goodness no, I have I have his book, the uh, the accuracy book. Mm -hmm. That's that's been very helpful to me and and my students. I think not a lot of people yeah. know about it because I don't think it's 
it's not widely published, but it's it's a book everybody mm-hmm. could stand to to get because I, I feel like it's it's a lot of just really good practical wisdom from from a, a longtime horn player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's somebody who, you know, I feel like he's a little under the radar, but I mean, just had a really wonderful career in a long career in, in the, the Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, a fantastic principal player. Um, yeah, it was just, it was something sitting second horn to him and he doesn't miss many notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was that's... just, it was, it was. That's cool. That's like getting, you know, you're getting your weekly lessons, but then you're also getting those lessons of sitting in an orchestra and listening to, okay, here's how they prepare for an entrance. That's something somebody could tell you in a lesson, but until you actually see it happen and kind of just are in the context of the actual thing, it's it just makes so much, it's more impactful, I think, when you get to see it happen in the real situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was it a uh, culture know, culture difference going from LA or LA area to to Midwest? Yeah, it was um it was kind of interesting and you know people still ask me when they they find out where I went to school they're like, "Oh, like why would you go to Wichita? Like what brought you <laughs> to Kansas?" And um you know, I mean, when I auditioned there, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I was pleasantly surprised that like it is a very like self-contained, very cultured city mm-hmm. that, you know, I mean, it's three hours from Wichita to uh, Oklahoma City or Kansas City and mm-hmm. six hours to Dallas. And, and other than that, it's kind of it's its own place. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's like a thriving musical theater scene. There's an amazing zoo. Uh, there's art galleries. There's just like all of these fantastic local restaurants. Um, you know, I mean, the symphony, I, th- I think the people of Wichita, at least when I were there, they, they kind of were like, oh, it's just the Wichita symphony. But <laughs> I mean, for for a regional group that, you know, you can't make a full-time living off of, it's, it's when I was there, it was a really pretty great orchestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I tell you, those Laurent's wind quintet recordings are really good. Like, if that's some of the best wind quintet (laughs) playing you're going to hear, is those those CDs they've done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I played in the Laurent's quintet for the couple of years I was there. Oh, that's cool. What what was that (laughs) like? So was that kind of a mix of like faculty and and grad students in that group? Um, it was actually um, it was all the faculty members and then um i was filling in for nick um you know because he kind of you know was um wanted a little bit of a break from um quintet playing sure and i I mean it was i i i I, you know i don't know what better (laughs) chamber education experience i could ask for than being the grad student with four very accomplished faculty members yeah was that intimidating Maybe to some extent, but uh-huh. I mean, they were all just like such good people. Um, you know, like we uh, we did a recital right when I got there, mm-hmm. and I remember we we had a dress rehearsal for our recital on my birthday, and oh, wow. then and then so and they they were very sweet about this. They're like, hey, you know, I know it's your birthday, but you know, this is the best time to schedule it. And then they made a point that after the actual recital. They took me out to a restaurant and then got me some chocolate cake. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was that's you like know, and then we... best best case scenario playing with like a faculty oh, yeah. ensemble. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, we went on a trip. Actually, the reason the recital was in the fall was because um, we took a trip to St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm-hmm. And so that was happening quickly enough in the school year. They wanted to make sure we had a performance in the States before we went over there. Sure. Yeah. And like, I mean, that was just one of my favorite trips of my whole life. Well, yeah. What an incredible you know? opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. You know, talk about like stuff yeah. to put on the resume and that kind of thing. That's that's incredible. Um, yeah. And then so, you, you know, you, you talked about getting into, uh, you know, uh, doctoral school at Maryland and mm-hmm. then, you know, making your way into the, the, the Naval Academy band. I, I definitely want to go yeah. back to that. I'm kind of keeping these threads sort of organized. Sure. In my head. I love tangents. <laughs> you can do all the tangents. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get back to that, but I, I will say the first time I kind of came across your, your work and your, your fantastic playing is your Wagner tuba uh, recording and then your horn with electronics recording. You know, you, you do some Wagner tuba recording and then you do some, some horn playing on that um, album of music for horn and electronics. Do you want to talk a little bit about that project? Cause I think that's still a really good resource for anybody that's looking for um not just like interesting repertoire but stuff that's like really good too oh well thanks for your kind words james oh sure um so it was kind of funny that i i got into the horn electronic stuff um because i was in third year of my dma wrapping things up and then i I had to pick a dissertation topic Mm -hmm. and so my plan actually during my second year had been, I was going to make the world's first solo Wagner tuba album. Okay. Nice. That was going to be my plan because, um, I thought at the time that you could do a DMA dissertation as a CD. Okay. Yeah. Some places let you and some don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, um, Greg Miller had told me that that was something he'd had students do in the past and should be good to go. So it was during that time that I actually commissioned, uh, gone to the other shore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, I also have to give a shout out to the Mira Ryman, uh, commissioning fund. Yeah. That's a great great, uh, project. It's, I'm so thankful for it that, I mean, you know, as a like broke DMA student, I I definitely could not have afforded the whole thing on my Mm -hmm. own. So, uh, that was, that was one of the things I was looking forward to. And I go to submit my proposal that I, you know, found, you know, uh, there was a composer, Gary Backlund, very, very kind, wrote a sonata for me for Wagner tuba and piano. Um, I was going to uh, have an arrangement I made of um, the ring cycle abridged. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I'll have to send it to you. I I, I had a lot of fun writing it. (laughs) You should publish it. Have you thought about publishing it? Well, it's uh, it's up on Sheet Music Plus. Oh, is it? Oh, it's on Sheet Music. Plus. Okay, cool. Yeah, I yeah. think so. But you know, I I think it could use a little cleanup. But um, I played it at IHS back in Muncie. Okay, yeah. But um, but it was you know I I really had a lot of fun of you know trying to condense the entire ring cycle down to like I think maybe it's twelve minutes for Wagner tuba piano. But there's um there's an offstage horn player at one point. Oh, neat. For, uh, <laughs> so they could do the short call and then some theatrics of like being about to play the short call, but then actually there's the offstage horn player. Ugh. 
Um, <laughs> that's you know, that's the perfect like, thing for an IHS. Yeah, that's the perfect thing yeah, for a symposium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> IHS, and then as absurd an instrument as the Wagner tuba is. <laughs> so, uh, so I had I was all ready to go. Third year of my DMARES, I was in fact I think I even submitted my proposal for a dissertation, and they rejected it, uh, saying, "Hey, you can't do a CD." We know, like, like it was this weird thing. They they knew that people had done it in the past, but there was mm -hmm. nothing in the current documentation that said I could do it. I see. So, yeah. So by that time, I mean, it was in, into the fall um, of my third year, and I just wanted to get the thing done. So mm -hmm. um, I decided that I would do a written dissertation. And, you know, as I was kind of looking through the, the IHS thesis library, um, it seemed like a very like practical way of doing a dissertation mm -hmm. was to take some kind of a specific instrumentation and just really explore like everything that's written for that instrumentation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so then um, it was really cool that, you know, after doing Gone to the Other Shore and um, I'd uh, actually, at the IHS, I had found uh, Howard Buss's uh, Alien Loop-de-Loops. Isn't that a neat piece? I love it. It's so goofy. It's, it's like, a neat piece. It's a yeah. Piece. I love it. Yep. So I, after doing a couple of those, I was like, oh, you know, what if I look into this horn and tape kind of stuff? Mm hmm. Yep. And yeah, and, so, and it was kind of perfect that I found, I think, maybe about 40 pieces. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people that, like, if they're looking for a dissertation topic, like, I feel like this style of of paper it it almost kind of writes itself you know the performance yeah. guides or like you know repertoire guides and you know they're eminently practical like when i was trying to find pieces for horn and electronics i googled it and your dissertation popped up i was like okay there you go there's there's stuff i can pick from for a recital so um yeah it's it's very practical and very useful yeah well i'm so glad it's been useful to you yeah, I mean, I just noticed there's another, uh, someone is doing a presentation on it in um, Montreal next week, uh, a presentation on awesome. horn and electronics. I can't remember who it is, but I mean, it's, it's especially during COVID, you know, composers were trying to write. Oh, yeah. And so that just makes sense. If you can't even have a pianist yeah. in the room with you, then who else have you got? You've got yourself and you've got some mm -hmm. electronics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's really interesting how, like, it did gain some popularity during the COVID times that, you know, I don't think it quite had before. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just really neat of, you know, with these pieces, you can incorporate all of these sounds into a recital that you can't produce by other means. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, if you want to have, like, uh, you know, nature sounds or sort of surrealist pseudo orchestral sounding things that don't exist in real life mm -hmm. or, or just, you know, like a sine wave. Right. You yeah. Know, everything's possible now. Yeah. 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 And it's, there's also some cool stuff that's um, done with like, uh, you know, recordings of, of speaking and mm -hmm. other kinds of recordings. And uh, I think it's, it's nice to break up the recitals that way. But I think another practical advantage that the Hornifix Media has is that, you know, you are rehearsing the way that it will be performed. Right. It's not going to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's not. like, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I'm guessing you probably have the same experience of like, 
if you've got like a really tricky passage, you can do it a hundred times in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's not like working with a piano player or other chamber musicians where they're going to be like, Hey dude, no, <laughs> like let's well, go work right. that out on your own time. Well, and you know, it, and even with a very, very fine pianist, we're not machines, you know, it's going to be subtly different probably every single time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, um, with some of the the fixed media stuff that's maybe not quite as well documented, like I would write in like, okay, this held note is approximately three beats. Mm-hmm. And I give myself some little tips like that where, I mean, like you said, you, you can't really do that with uh, a living, breathing human. Yeah. <laughs> but you can also make eye contact with a human and kind of cue things. If, even if stuff, if stuff starts to go <laughs> off the rails, what I find with those is I'm, I'm like you too. I, I have my little cues and things and, but I find if like, okay, I know the, the the electronics are not rushing or dragging. It's me and it's always going to be me. And so I know like mm-hmm. if I hit it right, yeah. that, that, you know, goalpost is like, okay, I did it right this time. We landed there together. Or if I'm subtly ahead or subtly behind, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, it's just, it's not going to change. It's always going to be doing what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah, I wonder if the next. I wonder if the next phase of that is like AI interacting with, you ooh. know, because you know, for like uh, like movie scores and stuff, the way they track things, they've got things that can speed up or slow down just to kind of track with, you know, the the video. I wonder if that's the next yeah. evolution of this is some kind of plug-in that like, oh, you're slow here, it'll slow down, or you're faster. I mean, there was like <laughs> there was smart music, but it it didn't yeah. quite. You know, I don't no. know if you ever played that thing. I, I, yeah, it's, it's no, I mean, it was better than having nothing, but right. you know, playing Strauss one on it, it's like, it's, it, 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 it did not quite deliver on what it promised. No. And it, it interprets like you subtly dragged that one beat there. Okay. Now we're going to slow down 20 clicks and now we're behind. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, that's really yeah. cool. Um, so I assumed you played Wagner tuba before you got into all this. What was it the experience? Because I know a lot of you know studio players, they play everything. They play whatever they need to play to get the oh, job yeah. done. Um, was that yeah. what led to your interest in Wagner tuba other than this is kind of a potential thing for a dissertation? Well, I think I'm just I'm somebody who's always fascinated by just weird things. <laughs> I like quirky things. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I'd, I'd known for a long time that the Wagner tuba existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, you know, I, I'd like checked one out at USC and kind of played around with it. I went to tuba Christmas with my sister and my dad. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, but then it was when I was at Maryland, um, I had to pick a lecture recital topic. Oh, okay. And so, um, you know, I was thinking about different things. and then. Um, I asked Greg, like, hey, could I do my lecture recital on the Wagner tuba? Mm-hmm. And he was all for it. So, um, you know, there's not much <laughs> that's written for solo uh, Wagner tuba. No, so that was where, no. um, yeah, it, but it was cool that, you know, I, there's it's going back to fixed media kind of things. Um, Stephen Cottle's Edel Rhapsody. Um, I don't know that for one. For Wagner tuba. Oh, you should check, check it out. out. It's it's a really charming piece. Okay. Uh, it's for Wagner tuba and I think chamber orchestra. Okay. Um, it's a really cool little piece, and uh, 
you can when you buy a copy of the the Wagner tuba part, um, you can get an MP3 of the orchestra. Oh, nice! So that was one of the things I played on my lecture recital was this thing was specifically written for that. And then I uh, I did the Hindemith Alto Horn Sonata. Okay. Which I was like, okay, technically this is not the same instrument, but it works. Ish, yeah, for like, sure. I mean, you know, it's it's in that tonal, you know, area in terms of the the, the tone yeah, exactly. color. Yeah. Exactly. And then um, that was where I premiered my uh, uh, Ring Cycle Abridged for um, Wagner tuba piano and shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. So what did you have? Did you do anything specific in terms of like, I know in my experience playing Wagner tuba, it kind of feels like a horn, but there's enough difference <laughs> about it that you have to really spend some time. Like I remember I was just playing a lot of like Bordoni vocalises and stuff just to get used to trying to be musical on the thing. You know, yeah. luckily it's still, it's fingered with the same hand, left hand fingering, use a, a horn mm-hmm. type mouthpiece, but you know, the, the bell is in a completely different place. You <laughs> use your hand. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of, of a bit different, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I feel like the the best thing for practicing on it is just to play just good music that's nice to just play through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think the biggest challenge with it is the intonation. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that uh, maybe there hasn't been a full solo Wagner tuba album so far. <laughs> I will say on a good tuba, on a good tuba, it's not as squirrely. And then like, if you have one with like a fourth valve, you can find some alternate fingerings and things. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I did that I found was pretty useful was um, I made a fingering chart for my specific instrument. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through and I was, um, I was just sort of like messing around with each note of what's the best fingering for this specific instrument. Yeah. And then kind of note the tendencies in addition to that. But like, you know, the fingerings that I use, um, I actually, so my instrument, it's a, a Jinbao uh, compensating double. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, um, you know, my, my horn is, you know, set with uh, standing in F with uh, B flat horn, but mm-hmm. actually my Wagner tuba, I have it standing in B flat. Okay. You know, because for the most part, if I'm, playing the Wagner tuba it's a B flat Wagner tuba part right so I really only have the F side there kind of as alternate fingerings or for the low range with the notes that don't exist on the the B flat side yep yep so when it's when it's standing in B flat I just mentally think of it as okay this is a B flat instrument but like sometimes I'll write in as alternate fingerings like okay like someone Mm mm-hmm and it's just for like very selective notes that I'll use the the F side. That's smart. Yeah, that's a really good idea. What did you end up going with uh, mouthpiece wise? Because I went like, I must have tried like five <laughs> or six or seven different mouthpieces, all with the same rim. But like, it's like, I just, I got to find something that makes that note not so bad. Like I could deal with it being a little yeah. bit off. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's like, whoa, that's just like way out of the, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I, 
I, I enjoy equipment, but like I, I'm not an equipment person. So I kind of like just keeping the same mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. I've got a Alaski. I don't even remember what model my last is, mm-hmm. but it, it works well enough. You know, maybe one day I'll, I'll play around with a different Wagner tuba mouthpiece, but for now, just my standard Lasky mouthpiece seems pretty all purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as, especially on, you know, you're not playing the low, low tuba, the single F tuba, I think on no. a compensating one, it probably the, the familiarity of having your same mouthpiece as your horn probably um, is, is, the advantages probably outweigh the disadvantages and I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. 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 And I, I feel like unless somebody is in some really unique situation where they're playing a lot of Wagner tuba, probably they're mostly playing horn and the, the familiarity is an advantage. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Do you get to play it? Have you ever played Wagner tuba in the band? Anything that calls for Wagner? No, tuba? no. My, my colleagues make fun of me for playing it. Uh. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they keep threatening that like somebody's gonna put Wagner tuba on something, but so far, uh, actually, I, I did play in uniform on the Wagner tuba when I was at IHS in Muncie. Okay. Um, so I, you know, I was in my my summer white uniform, but haven't actually played it with the band. And I mean, it'd be cool if there ever was a situation, but I I don't really see that happening. Somebody'd have to do a like a really faithful transcription of like Stravinsky or Wagner or something. But then yeah. like, what do you give the euphoniums? <laughs> exactly. Well, and not then the, the Wagner tuba band, part. Exactly. But my band's actually so small. Like we only have one euphonium player and mm-hmm. we don't even have an oval player. Well, yeah, uh, let, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, so what your day to day is like in the band and, you know, every band, you know, has a, has a mission, right? Like, or, you know, yeah. what they're, what they're, what they're meant to do, um, both on the, you know, like in terms of the entire United States and then in the, the branch of the military and then like what that specific band or units, you know, job is. Can you talk a little bit about what, what you guys do in the Navy Naval Academy band? Sure. So the mission of the Naval Academy band is to support the brigade of midshipmen so those are the students at the Naval Academy. Okay. And then we also support the uh, the superintendent, who's kind of the military equivalent of the president. Okay. Um, and uh, then kind of falling under that are a, a lot of military ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this week is kind of a, a perfect example of what our ceremonial uh, workload looks like. Where uh, Monday morning, I had a full honors funeral. Okay. So, uh, you know, we're, we're out there in our, our long wool coats and 90 plus degree weather and, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, playing, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, it, it's, what I like most about my job is we do so many different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, there's the military bands that they basically just live at Arlington. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they're like full honors funerals are basically their job. Yeah. So for us, it's. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's challenging to, um, you know, be out there in a long wool coat in the middle of summer, but, um, it, you know, it's, we, we have a lot of variety in what we do. So like you kind of, it keeps you on your toes a little bit because we don't do tons and tons of funerals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we did that. And then in the afternoon, there was a retirement ceremony. Uh, so played that with the brass quintet. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday, I teleworked. 
Uh, we can talk a little bit more about sort of the office side of things if you want. Yeah, that would be great because um, I think a lot of people don't realize yeah. like even those full-time premier band jobs, there's always an, an associated duty. Like it just really varies yeah. depending on what, you know, what the needs of the, of the band are, but yeah, you, you're never mm -hmm. just like, that's your only thing you do. Everybody, everybody has to do yeah. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not for everybody that, you know, if somebody only wants to be an orchestral horn player, they're not going to get that in a military band. Um, but, you know, for somebody like me and a lot of people I work with, I actually kind of like it better that I do things besides just play the horn. Mm -hmm. So the bands, um, they're all self-contained. So some of the larger bands will have a few non-playing staff members. But for the most part, like you said, it's everybody has to do something within the band. Mm -hmm. And... You know, that can range from being in charge of uh, record keeping with, you know, people's pay and dependent status and, you know, when is their co military contract or um, people could work in operations. So that's scheduling the gigs, deciding who is going to play on which gig. Uh, and then I work in the supply shop. Okay. So... So one of the things I do is uh, I'm in charge of IT for the band. Mm -hmm. So I, I manage the computers. I'm the person people come to when things are breaking. <laughs> I know the feeling. I'm kind of yeah. default that at, at my school sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's uh, I do that. And then I'm also in charge of what's called minor property. So that's What's that basically. So it it's basically our instruments. Oh, okay. And but it also includes, um, you know, microphones and speakers and stuff that I don't know how to identify without asking our sound engineer. <laughs> <laughs> if it's heavy, it's probably expensive. <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 surprising <laughs> sometimes knowing the value of things like. Our ugliest flute by far is worth 20000 Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What's it made of? Platinum or something? <laughs> I don't even know. It's just, it is ugly, but apparently it plays really nicely. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Did you get a, did you get a different horn when you joined the band or were you able to, did you keep the one you came in with? I, I've, I've seen a lot of people come in and then they're like, oh, now that I'm in this situation where somebody will buy me an instrument, I uh -huh. want to try this one. Right. And I feel like, I feel like it backfires almost all the time. I <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, since I, I run the, the closet of instruments, like there's mm -hmm. so many really nice instruments where the band bought somebody a nice instrument and then it turned out it wasn't what they were hoping it'd be. And uh -huh. then it just sits in the closet and people are playing their personal instruments on gigs. Yeah. Now it's in your inventory and you can't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when, when I got there, I was like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. um, Darren Sorley built me a, a horn that was pretty similar to the one that uh, I, I used as my personal horn. Mm -hmm. Nice. So it's, it's, yeah. So it's really great. But I think they're a little bit different, um, but they're similar enough that unless I'm doing like a recital in the next like few days, pretty much they're interchangeable for practicing on. Oh, that's cool. That's nice to have a backup too. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice of just like 
um, you know, my, my band horn lives in my locker at work. And then my personal horn, it like rarely goes in the case because it's at my That's house. cool. I'll tell you a funny story. I won't, I won't name sure. the, the, I won't name the branch of the service, but you might be able to figure it out. So <laughs> somebody was telling me, so they did the, they did the thing they joined, they got into a premier band. They wanted to get like, you know, whatever boutique horn. And they were like, <laughs> well, it's not on our list. And it's not that it's like expensive or anything. It's like, it doesn't matter how much it costs. It's just not on the list of possibilities from the, the sheet. Like I think they wanted a triple or something. And like all they had on the list were double horns. So because a triple was not on the list that they could pick from, they're like, no, you can't do that. And <laughs> it was, I remember that person telling, telling me that I was like, yeah, that, that okay i can kind of see that it's like it's not on the list so you can't buy it (laughs) yeah it's it's funny because we have to come up with these military justifications for buying instruments yeah so like i i also play on a a single b flat briz horn for marching band Mm -hmm. those aren't too bad they're they're really light it's not no no i mean like when needed you know i prefer to play on my double nice horn for ceremonial gigs um but I mean, if I'm in a pinch, like I, I can do a retirement ceremony on my single B flat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did they get those from Ken Pope, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got some. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah they, they really are. Yeah, but it was funny in the, the justification for why we needed this instrument. I had to come up with just reasons like, <laughs> oh, this will help. This will help with ergonomics, which is true. I mean, a, a lighter instrument is easier yeah. on your joints. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, I had to just come up with stuff so that somebody who lives in the world of um, tanks and artillery and <laughs> things like that be like, ah, yeah, that sounds like a solid purchase. It's mission critical. That's what you have to say. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I, I yeah. Somebody else was telling me like, you know, they they worked in development, like fundraising and stuff, and they but they also were, you know, uh, in, in a professional performer. And they, they said, trying to explain to their coworkers in, you know, the not music performance side of things, like, well, basically we are always working under deadline. Like when you're in a rehearsal and you have to deliver right then, it can't be like (laughs) two hours from now when you feel like it, it's like, we're on a deadline. And they, they said that that actually made a lot of sense to their coworkers. It's like, when you're a performer, you're always working on a deadline. So, you know, it's funny how you have to retranslate things sometimes just to get, get the point across. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I want to thank you, Erica, again, for I don't want to take up too much of your time today. I thought oh. maybe a, a good place to kind of wrap things up might be to talk about, in in your opinion, what would be like some really good reasons to promote people being interested in being in a military band? You know, we've talked about the, the you know, the benefits are amazing and it's you can really you can have a career doing it. It's not just, you know, like a side gig or anything you can make. Uh, a decent living and all of that stuff. So maybe talk a little bit about that, like uh, kind of, you know, when you go to those military concerts, they always do their recruiting appeal. Like, (laughs) here's why you should be interested in this, this particular thing. And then maybe talk a little bit about, you know, uh, that's not just, that's not everything that you do. You know, you've got a life and a family and, you know, other interests and things like that and how you kind of balance all that with being a, a busy professional. Sure. Um, you know, so I think, I, you know, the, the, the easiest thing for, for the military jobs is, uh, like we talked about earlier, the, um, the job security and the pay and benefits. Mm-hmm. 
um, when I was in music school, I was just thinking about, oh, like who will just pay me so that I can play horn all day. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, well, even by that metric, like the the military groups, I mean, they really, they, they compensate you pretty competitively with, um, quite good orchestral, uh, situations. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing I, I was not thinking about when I was um, looking at the, the military bands was kind of the benefits to uh, family life mm-hmm. in the military bands. So I don't know if you're aware, but um, the military actually runs arguably the best child care system in the whole country. I didn't know that. That's good to hear. A lot of people, it's it's pretty cool. Like it's it's it's, you know, held up a lot of times as an example of like, what child care could be in America mm. that, uh, as, as service members, we, uh, you know, we have access to child care, you know, six weeks old through they'll give subsidies, uh, for before and after school care for school age kids. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then, um, the thing about this is that it's, it's uh, priced based on income. Okay. And so, um, you know, and, and the, the centers for the daycares, like the quality is just fantastic that, you know, they're, they're very, very clean. Uh, you know, when I was pregnant with my, uh, my now three-year-old, I, I toured a center thinking, oh, okay, like, I don't know if I'll do this military daycare thing. Like they're probably <laughs> going to like yell at, they're going to yell at the kids. It's going to be like boot camp. but no, it's actually like, it's, it's Montessori school. Like there oh, are wow. no, there well, I, I was about to say there are no screens, but there's like one computer in the preschool room where they they play some high quality stuff on mm-hmm. like a very limited time. Um, but I know they're you know the, the teachers are so caring. They're um, highly educated. Uh, I'm going off on tangent about this, but the thing is that with the with the bands, um, I calculated that for my family, we're saving forty thousand dollars a year by sending the kids to the military daycare and by having them on the military health insurance. That's huge. And that if yeah. I was, it's nuts because I mean, like if I left my job, I mean, <laughs> if I could find a job that made 40,000 period, that'd probably be like, you know, some reasonable expectation. But mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it's $40,000, that's how much we're saving on um, top of salary. And yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then for people who want to stick with the careers long term, if you get to 20 years, they will give you a pension after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And you could go and on so and have that, a career doing something entirely different if you wanted to, you know, after you're exactly. 20. Or a lot of people, they'll um, they'll do their 20 years and then they go off and they get a teaching job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, yeah. you, as you go up in rank, you get like the raises come with it it's not like whether they can you know feel like giving you a raise it's like it comes with the promotion <laughs> well and then even beyond just the promotions but um we get cost of living increases every year that's great which is i mean it's just it's incredible that i mean this is something that comes up in congress every year of you know let okay let's increase the military pay mm-hmm. um you know things are expensive and uh, i'm really lucky to take advantage of that but oh, that's, that's awesome. another thing that with it's it's kind of interesting to me that like with an orchestra, I mean, aside from maybe becoming a, a principal player or, you know, some other kind of title position mm-hmm. that there's not really promotions 
the same way as the bands where, you know, when you like, you can get promoted uh, in a band and, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, that's not an opportunity that you'd have <laughs> the same way in an orchestra. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point to make. Yeah. Let's maybe uh, we'll wrap up here in just a few minutes and talk sure. about maybe tie the tie all of these things together with the the column sure. and the horn call and talk about maybe, sure. um, you know, things you've got coming up, projects you've got coming up, or ideas you have for for the military matters um, article or uh, military matters column. Um, well, it's been really fun to do the military matters column uh, for the last kind of year and a half. I think you've it's, yeah you've been I, the person since the beginning. I believe, haven't you? Yeah, or was it? I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think it's been me, and yeah, thanks for inviting me to do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's as as you've pointed out in this podcast, it's such a it is such a huge um, employer of musicians, and it's such a good job for you know the right kind of person that that wants that kind of a career. It's it, I mean, it, they're really they're really great, and I've. I, got lots of friends who've, who've done it and they you know they just love it um so no i i, I thank you for doing it oh it's my, my pleasure um but it's it's been really fun especially like getting to know horn players in other countries mm-hmm. then you know that every time i talk to somebody it's amazing that you know the military bands overseas like there are things that are different but there's definitely like some dynamics that mm-hmm. are you know, they're, the, they're, you know, like, yes, very relatable. <laughs> the military life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I mean, even like little things like um, the, the horn player who kindly wrote an article for uh, the upcoming horn call, he was talking about um, the prevalence of coffee culture in oh. his band. <laughs> and like, that's my band. Like, you know, in Annapolis, we have the best coffee scene and, you know, <laughs> somebody's kind of the odd one out if they're not a coffee drinker. I think the whole military runs on coffee. I think, you know, I think, I think the whole adult world runs on coffee. This is true. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> as, as far as upcoming projects, um, something I'm really excited about right now is um, my band is working on a commission. Um, uh, Dr. Brett Abagania, who's written all kinds of neat stuff in a lot of different genres. He is going to be writing for us uh, a piece for band, women's choir, uh, organ, and um, soprano. Oh, neat. That sounds really cool. And you you did an article about the composition, like the contest you had for your band at one point. Yeah, so so that was actually something um, a little bit different. Uh, Yeah, the call for scores was... um, essentially I was having trouble finding um, brass ensemble music mm. that that would work with just two horns. I see. So we just thought we'd see what happens if we opened up a contest of, Hey, you just submit some music for brass instruments. And mm-hmm. then um, our director decided to turn it into an annual thing. That's cool. And so um, thanks. Yeah. So for us, it's um, we rotate every three years between, um, you know, we did brass the first year uh, chamber wins the second year and then this year um, it's uh, jazz pieces oh wow that sounds like fun that sounds really cool yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah like i mean I, I i wish i could be involved in some capacity in that but i mean uh <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm not a jazz player <laughs> but uh but so that that's been really fun to do that at work but this uh this commission is actually a, a totally separate project oh okay 
Um, so when's the premiere of that happening? I think it it's set for January. Okay, twenty twenty four. And I think so. And so the um, the idea is that um, it, it'll be a work that's dedicated to um, women in uh, naval leadership. Oh, okay. And so it's been really cool that um, the committee that's uh, that's planning it was, uh, you know, two female members of the band, uh, me mm-hmm. and uh, helping out uh, one of our senior chiefs. And then um, the piece itself will be done with uh, the, the Midshipmen's Women's Glee Club. So oh, cool. we'll be involved with the, the, the students at the Naval Academy. And then um, we're bringing in a professional soprano. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're still kind of hashing out the details of exactly what text we're going to use. And, um, but I, I mean, like, I, I'm a sucker for like kind of making a performance experience of playing with like performers throughout the, the venue and um, getting creative with that sort of thing. No, that's a really great so, idea. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I've noticed with at least the people I've talked to and my friends and, and that have been in military groups is, as we've said, it's not just about your playing. You obviously have to be, you know, a, a very competent player, but you're learning and having, you're getting experiences doing so many other valuable things, you know, your entrepreneurial skills, you know, you work with IT, but you also do some property management and, you know, almost like human resources type things being like, you know, working with, with different people. And so, you know, that it's just such a good all around, um, experience. Yeah. It's, I'm, you know, feel really lucky every day to go to work and, um, you know, my colleagues are fantastic. You know, the, a a friend of mine had said, it's kind of interesting that, you know, there's those famous orchestral players that have these like decades long feuds Mm -hmm. and, you know, not everybody in the bands gets along all the time. But his theory is that uh, we don't have so much of the the multi-decade feuding in the bands because nobody's under the illusion that Sousa is high art. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> priorities are kind of in line. Yeah. Exactly. That it's like, this is a job. It's a great job. And, you know, we can go, you know, make some artistic fulfillment sometimes within the, the job and sometimes, uh, you know, outside of the job but mm-hmm. uh but the, but the job itself it's a great job but uh, you know it's it, i don't think people get as as wrapped up in themselves as you know like i mean orchestral players you know with, with Mahler. i mean sure <laughs> so yeah. many people they view things like that as really transcendent and Sousa's not transcendent. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of other words you could use to describe Sousa, but transcendent's probably not on the list. So, <laughs> but no. no, I think I think that approach and that outlook is ultimately much healthier, though. I mean, I think keeping things in perspective. At the end of the day, yes, it is your your job; it's your art, so to speak. But there's a lot more to life. So, yeah, yeah. So something I'm I'm excited about for next summer. Um, I don't know if this will be it. IHS or at the International Women's Brass Conference, I'm going to be premiering a piece that I commissioned from my friend Brian KM. Oh, yeah, I know Brian. And you know Brian? Yeah, Yeah. he's great. But he wrote me a piece for uh, Horn and Fixed Media Mm -hmm. called uh, Conversations with Dominic. Okay. And so uh, I I knew I wanted to have him write a piece for me, so I, I sent a bunch of ideas. And the one he really liked was, I said, well, why don't you just record like the weird conversations I have with my then two-year-old? Okay. 
And he just, he, he loved that idea. And he made this, this piece where, um, you know, it's, there's, uh, there's electronic track that Mm -hmm. includes, um, selections of my conversations with my two-year-old. That's really cool. And his stuff is like next level. I mean, there's, there's, there's playing horn with a track and then there's like the stuff he's doing, which is really incredible. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, talking about the horn electronics people, I feel like like him and Nick Fife, who was Mm -hmm. recently on the podcast, they're the ones who are really doing the cool stuff with the electronics. Yeah. They're, 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 they're really doing some good stuff. Well, Erica, that's awesome. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks James. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely.